strongly believe that this isn't just a nice night that we get to have together. I strongly believe that God wants something for all of us. I strongly believe that there is so much more than getting together once a month and just coming to church. There is a purpose to your life. There is a calling on your life. And you may have never heard this, maybe nobody's ever told you this, but this is true. There is a purpose, there is a calling on your life. And I am also increasingly aware that the more that you try to run after God, the more all these things are trying to catch you and keep you from running. Am I right? There is so many things that are always trying to stop us from getting to church, from sitting down and listening to God, from going to our community group, from joining a woman in prayer, all these things. There's always something isn't there? There's always a fight. There's always this thing that is just like stopping us from going further, from reaching for more. And I was praying about this, and I was thinking about this because I really think that God wants to talk to us about this. I really think that he wants us to see um, that these distractions and these worries keep us from the so much more that he has for us. And so tonight, I want to jump right in. Um, if you have a Bible, you can come with me to Matthew 13. If you don't have a Bible, we actually have a few over there by those pretty flowers. I put them on that table over there. If you need one, you're more than welcome to grab one. If you don't have a Bible at all, you're more than welcome to keep it. Uh, but also, we will have the verses come up on the screen so you can follow along there as well. Matthew 13, verses 3 to 9. Um, here we go. He told them many things in parables, saying, Listen carefully. A sower went out to sow seed in his field, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and at once they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, And thorns came up and choked them out. Other seed fell on good soil and yielded grain, some a hundred times, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. Um, And then further, a little further down on verse 18, we're going to continue reading. This is actually the explanation that Jesus gives for this parable. It says, listen then to the meaning of the parable of the sower. When Anyone hears the word of the kingdom regarding salvation and does not understand and grasp it, the evil one comes and snatches it away what was sown in his heart. This is the one whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one, oops, I lost my place. The one in whom the seed was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and at once welcomes it with joy. Yet he has no substantial root in himself, but only temporary. And when pressure or persecution come because of the word, immediately he stumbles and falls away, abandoning the one who is the source of salvation. And the one in whom the seed was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the worries and distractions of the world and the deceitfulness, the superficial pleasures and delight of riches choke the word, and he yields no fruit." 
And then the one whom seed was sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it and grasps it. He indeed bears fruit and yields it. And some a hundred times as much as was sown, some sixty and some thirty. Let's pray again. Lord, we just, um, we come before you, God, and all we want to do tonight is to just hear a word from you, Father. We, we want to be like Jesus was saying, we want to have ears to hear. We don't just want to have your word come and then we don't hear or we don't understand. We, we ask for understanding tonight. We ask for just an open heart and open ears, Father. I just pray that you would use my mouth, that you would use my words, that it would be all you, God. Just let me be a channel for your word tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. See, um, when we look at this parable, it's telling us when we come to Christ, all of us receive a little seed, right? Uh, it's, he spoke like that so people understood what he was trying to tell them. So basically, when we come to Christ, there is a seed, there's a life that's put into us. It's deposited in us. And what are seeds meant to do? You can tell me. Grow, yes. They're meant to turn into something else. If you look around, we have beautiful flowers all over the room, yes, all over me, you know, that they're meant to produce something. They're meant to produce a flower or a tree or something. They're meant to bear fruit. That's what they're meant to do. Yes, but it's not that simple, apparently, because Jesus is telling us that there's many types of soil and not all of them end up doing what they're meant to do. A lot of them miss it. A lot of them have their seats snatched out. A lot of them, they come and they're excited and it seems like it's going to work out. And then when life gets hard, they run for the hills and no more. And there's different soils that he talks about. But the soil that I wanted to sit a little bit in today is number three. The third soil that they, Jesus was talking about, it says, now the third soil is the one that receives the word, but the worries and distractions of the world and the deceitfulness, the superficial pleasures and delights of riches choke this world, this word, and it yields no fruit. I'll be super honest with you. When I read this verse, I think I've forgotten it said that. I really like this version of the Bible, by the way. This is called the Amplified Bible because it like explains a little more and it makes it a little more clear for you to understand. And the way that it put it, it, it said it choked the seed. It choked it. It took the life out of it. And I was reading this verse because I was feeling super overwhelmed. I was feeling like there was so much pulling at me, so much pressure on me, so many things I had to do that I was really, really struggling to do what I knew that I needed to do. I was really struggling to get a moment alone and sit down and listen to God. I was really struggling to do the things that I knew he wanted me to do. And it, it pushed me, it pressed me to the point where I was like, you know what, maybe, oh, I just give up, you know, it's so much, it's just too much. And I started getting very discouraged. And I, and I kept thinking and praying, and I felt like God was reminding me of two things. I felt like he was trying to speak to me about two words that he wanted to talk to me and teach me about. And the two words were worry and distraction. And 
God is amazing, and he led me to this verse, and we have worry and distraction. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm listening. What are you trying to say? I began to realize that this, this right here was exactly what was happening to me. I was being choked, not necessarily by my circumstance, but because I was allowing all the things around me to steal me from the main thing. I was allowing all these other things to pull at me, to stop me, to keep me from the main thing. And I was feeling like the life was being sucked out of me. I'm sure many of you have had that feeling. See, the interesting thing is, and I'm disclaimer here, I'm not a person who's always like the devil this or the devil that, but there is an enemy, isn't there? There is an enemy, and he is not happy that you want to find God, that you want to know more about him, that you want to grow, that you want to know more about his word. He's not thrilled. He's not like, okay, go girl. No, he's like, let's put all these cool things in front of her to distract her. If we can derail her, that's what we're going to do. And, but the thing is, he may be old, but he has, he has no new tricks. He's been using the same tricks for a really long time. And these are his tricks. They're basically Two tricks, and I, I really want you to see this with me, because when I looked at it, I was like, this is really interesting. He has been using the exact same thing over and over for generations with everyone to try to derail them and stop them for, from what God has for them. And you know what? He's very silly because he tried to use these basic tactics with Jesus, and I want you to look at it with me. In Luke 4... This is probably one of the uh, most well-known temptations. This is when Jesus is called into the desert and he is tempted by the devil. Yes? Um, and I want you to, we're going to take a quick look at it. It says, Luke 4, I'm going to start on verse 4. Now, Jesus, full of an imperfect communion with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days, and when they ended, he was hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to turn into bread. Jesus replied to him, it is written and forever remains, man shall not live by bread alone. Then he led Jesus up to a high mountain and displayed before him all the kingdoms of the inhabited earth and their magnificence in the twinkling of an eye. And the devil said to him, I will give you all of this realm and its glory, its power and renown, because it has been handed over to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it will all be yours. And Jesus replied to him, It is written, and forevermore remains, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then he led Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said mockingly to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written and forevermore remains written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard and protect you. And they will lift you up on their hands so that you do not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus replied to him, it is said in Scripture, you shall not tempt the Lord your God to prove himself to you. 
When the devil had finished every temptation, he temporarily left until a more opportune time. Very interesting. And it also, it almost would seem to us, how absurd. He is going to tempt Jesus. How is this a thing? But it was a thing. And thankfully, the Bible records this thing so that we can see it, so that we can go back and read it and see, well, that's very interesting. He tempted Jesus. But you know what? I love that the Bible is so honest, and it reminds us that Jesus was in his flesh. He had been in the desert for 40 days without any food. I go for like half a day without any food, and I'm already like hangry, right? And he went 40 days without any food. You know, in the desert, so probably not comfortable at all. And the Bible tells us he was hungry. We don't even have to speculate about this, girls. He was hungry. He must have been tired. He must have been dirty. There must have been so many things making him uncomfortable and just he probably just wanted to get somewhere else and not have a chat with this guy, right? And so it says that he saw this time as a time to catch him. He's tired. Let me get him now. I don't know about you, but I think he thinks the same way about us. She is tired. Let me get her now. She is weak now. Let me get her now. Let me dangle this thing. Let me, let me put this in front of her now that she's weak, now that she's tired, now that she hasn't had time for me, for Jesus. Let me catch her now. And it's very interesting because the first thing that he points out to Jesus is, you're hungry, man. Fix it. Grab the stone right here. Turn it into bread. Just fix it. You, you can fix it. Take matters into your own hands. Aren't you the son of God? Can you turn a bread? Can you turn this into bread? I mean, none of us can do that. But he does whisper the exact thing to us. Just, just fix it. Just take matters into your own hands. Stop waiting on God. Just fix it. Just do what you can to get out of this. Just do what you can to do something about this situation. You don't have to wait. You can do it now. It's right there in front of you. Look at your need. Look, God is probably busy somewhere else. Look at the need. Look at the need. He wants you to look at your need. You know what? I had to, this was very confronting to me because I am a control freak, so I like to fix things all the time, right? And so I'm a perfectionist. I want to fix it. You know, I am not a patient person, so I'm like, let's just, I can fix this. Let's move on to the next problem. God can fix the next one, the bigger one, you know? But worry says a lot about us. Worry has a lot to do with what is happening with your life. That is true. Your circumstances do make you worry at times. But you know what? It speaks to something much deeper. Worry speaks about control, about trust. Do you trust God to provide? Do you trust him to care? Do you trust him to change things? Do you trust him? Or are you going to worry and fret until you try to fix it yourself and probably end up making it worse? Because that's what sometimes happens, right? We don't wait. We run ahead. And we end up doing something that was never in the plan. I think a lot of us have fallen for this one. 
He dangles the rock and says, just make it into bread, girl. You got this. Make a sandwich. We're good. We're overwhelmed by our own needs and the uncertainty of our future and finances and whatever. You name it. I don't know what's in your case. And the temptation is to fix it ourselves. But I'm so glad that Jesus didn't. He rebuttaled, right? He was like, no. No. He immediately brought out the word of God and was like, this is not how we're going to do this. No, this is not how we're going to do this. So the enemy was like, okay, the bread wasn't good enough. Let's move on to the next thing. And so he brings out the bigger temptation, right? He's like, all right, I have another trick. He pulls it out. And he's like, how about this, Jesus? How about I give you anything you could have ever wanted? Look, look. Look at what I can give you. Look at all the kingdoms of the world. They can be yours right now. They're shiny. They're beautiful. There's power and glory. Here's the catch. All you have to do is just worship me just really quick. Just worship me right now, and then we can move on. You'd be like, that's just very dumb. Jesus was never going to worship him, right? We would think that, of course. But I think that sometimes we do. And you might be like, whoa, lady, (laughs) relax. No, I would never worship the devil. You know, that's not what I'm here for. That's not what I'm talking about. He's not, he's dumb, but he's not that dumb, you know? He's never going to come at us like we saw him. We used to see him in cartoons dressed in spanks all red with the horns. That's not how he's coming. That's definitely not how he's coming. He's coming at you with something that looks amazing. Because he didn't come to Jesus with a dump. He came to Jesus with amazing power and glory in front of him. So he's not coming at you with a dump. He's coming at you with something that you want, with something that you might desire. He's coming at you with something that's definitely going to catch your eye. He knows. I think he studies us a little bit, you know? He knows where we're weak. He knows what is going to catch us. He knows how to distract us. He really does. And the truth of the matter is that we may not say that we worship him, but we worship ourselves. May I step on some toes tonight? Because we do. We worship our agendas and our time and our space and my plans and my future and my comfort and my, 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 where, well, who am I worshiping? Me, myself and I, you know, we are, we are, we don't think about it that way. We don't want to think about it that way. But the truth of the matter is, is that he knows that he can get you like that. And me. He can get all of us like that. Comfort is so alluring. A nice future is so alluring. Riches and I don't know, whatever. It's so, I know, the irony is not lost on me that we're talking about this at the Ritz. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) At the Ritz, hello. But, (laughs) think back to the parable of the sower with me. What? did he say? What was choking the life out of the seed? Worries and distractions and the superficial pleasures of this world. 
If he's not worrying you, he's distracting you. Something. But he's aiming at something with us. I'm going to worry you, and if it doesn't, if you don't have enough to worry about, let me dangle something over here for you. That is what he's doing. And to be honest, we lead such busy lives, such busy lives. And I've never seen it so hard here. For, for me, it's like, come on, people, we can do this, you know, like, come to church and do this. And I'm like, but everybody's so busy all the time. And we do. I get it. There's families and there's, there's things to do and there's jobs and there's all these activities. There's so many activities to do on this island. Oh, my Lord, you know. But <laughs> and we have crazy things that people say like, YOLO, you only live once, so try everything, go everywhere, you know. I'm not against it. I, I like to have fun. I, I, we live in a beautiful beach, and you know, in an island in the middle of the Caribbean. Yes, enjoy it. Have fun. Jesus wants you to have a good life. Yes, yes. This is all true things. But when all these good things are stealing you from the best thing, then we have a problem. You know what I mean? I'm not saying traveling is bad. Soccer is bad. What? I don't know what you like to do, girls. I, I'm having trouble here. I only have children. <laughs> I only have children and work. That's all I do. You know, but when all these good things are stealing you away from the best thing, from the better thing, from what he wants from you, then we have a disconnect and we have a huge problem. Because, because it's really hard to think that all these good things are not that good for us, isn't it? It's really hard. It's really hard. Nobody is ever going to come up to you and be like, dude, I'm so worried about you, Nicole. Your life is going too good, too great. I think I'm going to have to pray for you. Some trials must come to your life. No! <laughs> Nobody is ever going to do that to you. No one ever will do that to you. Am I right? You don't do that because people don't tend to think that way. We don't think that good things are stealing us away from God. No. Yes, a lot of the times, a lot of the times, ladies, they are. And contrary to po popular belief, we cannot just live our lives focused on this, on the here and now. We can't. I know it's such a struggle, right? We want the better house and the better school and the better future and the better husband and the better this and the better that. And we're, we're constantly in the rat race and we're running. How, what more can I get? What more can I do? What, what more is there? But you know what? <laughs> Whatever thing he is dangling in front of you that is keeping you from Jesus may promise immediate satisfaction, but it will never truly satisfy. It will never truly satisfy. It just won't do it. Even if we live in the most beautiful place in the world and there's so much to do, you know, Jesus' followers are not supposed to do what everybody else is doing. They're not. Our lives should be different. It should be different. We should be different. Interestingly enough, one would think that it would be hard to follow Jesus when you're under persecution or need or duress or some sort, you know? Like, we would think that, that those people have it really hard. But I think sometimes ease and comfort are our worst enemies. Because we forget and we're tempted to think that we don't even need him. We are tempted to think that we don't even need Jesus today. I don't need Jesus today. 
I got, I got this day. This day's chill. I'm just going to do my, my thing. You know, I, I'm just going to go to work. I'm just going to do this. And then when I think about it, I can't even remember the last time I was with Jesus. I'm not judging. I'm preaching to the choir, you know, because it happens. It happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. But Mark 8, 36 and 37 is like the biggest question we should be asking ourselves. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I don't think we have to answer that one. Is there anything that you can possibly think of or compare to today in your life that is worth more than your soul? I don't think so. I really don't think so. And it's hard. It's hard to ask those questions. It's hard to stop and look in that way. But we must. We have to. We have to recognize the tricks of the enemy. The last temptation that he brought to Jesus was quite interesting as well. He brought him to a high place and he mocked him by telling him, jump off this cliff. Just do it, man. Isn't your daddy, you know, God? He must catch you, right? He's taunting him. He wants Jesus to tempt God with unbelief. He wants him to doubt the goodness of his father. He wants him to doubt that his, that his father is actually going to catch him, that his father is actually going to come through for him. Is he going to catch you or not? It's basically what he's telling him. And I think he says the same things to us. Is your father good enough? Is he really good to you or not? Because you're struggling right now, aren't you? So is he going to catch you or not? Is he going to come in your time or need or not? He's whispering. He's very slick. He's saying all these things. You think they're your own thoughts. Maybe, you know, you're helping him out a little there. But what he is trying to get you to doubt is the goodness of God towards you. He wants you to doubt. And interestingly enough, the thing is he never stops. The enemy never stops. He's always checking out opportunities to try to get you. And that's, that's what the last um, part of that chunk that we read about the temptation of Jesus says. When he was finished, he left temporarily, just for a little bit. He left him, okay, I couldn't get him now, but I'm going to wait for the next best time to try to get him. And it's the same with us. <laughs> He's looking. He's waiting. The Bible, actually, there's a verse, I believe it's in James, I should have put it in there, that it says that he's like a lion, and he's like walking around looking who he can eat up. He's looking. So sometimes we make it easy for him. We are tired. We are spiritually hungry. We are weak. We don't know what the word says. We haven't been alone with God in so long. And so he comes around, or maybe he throws some entertainment in our face, and we're like, it doesn't even face us. Jesus was not shaken by these temptations because he was ready for them. 
He knew the word. He had been in prayer. He knew how to stop it. He didn't even think about these things. He's like, should I take the bread? That city does look pretty. No, he was immediate. Like his response was immediate. The word says this, you're not going to make me doubt. The, my father has said this, I'm not going to let you in my mind with this situation. He was immediately answering. But see, when we put ourselves first, when life's pleasures and distractions satisfy us so much that we cannot even think of God, when worry is blurring our vision, when we doubt God's goodness towards us, this is when we're letting the thorns grow. And that's when we become vulnerable. They're growing. If we allow all these things, then they start growing and they want to choke the life out of you. They want to choke the life out of us. And some, for some, it may be worry. Maybe you're struggling right now. Maybe you have a lot of things on your plate. And for some of you, it may be the pleasures. I, and you're kind of mad at me because I'm talking about this and you don't want me to talk about this. But you know what? I want you to see that there's so much more. I want you, if anything, before you leave tonight, I want you to understand that the enemy's goal with all of these things is to stop you from bearing fruit. He wants to stop, at all costs, that seed that God has put inside of you. That is what he's trying to do. He wants to stop you from growing, from maturing, from flourishing. He doesn't care how, as long as, he do, as, long as it works. He doesn't care how, as long as it works for you. As long as you are not doing what God has called you to do. There is more. If anything, I want this to be more than just a beautiful meeting that we do once a month and we get to see each other and I get to hug you all and we all look pretty and it's amazing. Yay! That is amazing. But you know what? There's so much more. I want you to know that there is purpose for your life. I want you to know that there is fruit in your future to be had. There's so much that God wants to do in you and through you. You may be thinking, me? Yes, you! And it's no coincidence that you're here because somebody invited you, because you saw it somewhere. You're here for a reason. There is a calling on your life. There is a calling on your life. There are wonderful plans for you, but the enemy wants to make sure you don't see them. He wants you wrapped up in thorns so nothing else matters anymore. But Jesus taught us how to fight it. He told us the secret, and it's a very simple secret. His Holy Spirit and his word are our defense. His Holy Spirit and his word are our secret. And sometimes we're like, well, is there another secret? No, there's not another secret. That is the secret. If you're not in the word and if you're not in prayer, you are a walking target. You are defenseless. Because he's going to come, and you're not going to know what to say. You're not, not, not going to have anything to pull. Because Jesus was full. He was full of the word. He knew what to say. He was walking with the Spirit. He was walking with his Father. So it was like he, he was full of it, so he could, it just overflowed of him. But sometimes he comes at us, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. Something, the Bible says something about that. That doesn't work. The, he knows the Bible maybe better than us. 
So we have to know. We need him for our troubles and our worries, and we need him to capture our hearts in such a way that he is more beautiful than anything else that this life can dangle in front of you. The little card that you got when you walked in is, has Ephesians 2.10 on it. And it says, For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. He has so much for you to do. He's deposited life in you. And by the grace of God, you can make room in your life for that seed to grow. You can do it. You can do it. In Christ, we have been given everything we need to live this life successfully. And that is what 2 Peter 1.3 says. It says, for his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Ladies, don't let the thorns drown the seed that he has planted in you. Don't let anything keep you from what God has prepared for you. You don't have to do it alone. He's there. The Holy Spirit is there. His word is there. We are there. You don't have to do it alone. You just have to, one step at a time, find it in your, find it in your day. Make the effort to prioritize what is meant to be a priority in your life. And when you do, when we do, when we invest in that side of eternity, then we're going to see amazing things happening in our lives. So tonight, I know we don't have a lot of room, so I'm not going to ask us to go into groups or anything like that, but when Matt and Martina lead us in the next couple of songs, I do encourage you, grab somebody next to you, pray with someone, pray. I'm going to pray for us right now, but I do encourage you to pray with someone. And we do have um, Yana and Claire. They're, one is right here, and Claire is over there. Um, and they are prayer partners that are at church. If you want to pray with someone, maybe you are not even, you're not even a Christian, and you ended up here, and you're like, what is this woman talking about? If you want somebody to pray with you about that or have questions, they are also there to talk to you tonight. But um, let's stand up, and we're going to pray. Lord, we just, we recognize that we cannot do this alone. But we also recognize that there's so much more waiting for us, that you've, you've made this beautiful, purposeful life for us, and there's so much more than just worries and comfort and all these other things, God, and sometimes they don't allow us to see what you have for us. Jesus, I pray, I pray, Lord, that we would learn to trust you and throw all of our worries on you. 
that we would hold so tight to your word, that we would prioritize you in our lives, and that any other thing that may look so beautiful right now, but that is keeping us from you, God, I pray that you would capture our hearts in such a way that we love you above everything else. Capture our hearts, God. We love you, Jesus. Help us. Help us in our weakness. Help us when we can't do it by ourselves, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.